Welcome to the Buick Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Marion, and on this podcast, we dive deep into the outdoors. We discuss hunting and fishing techniques, give you tips and tricks, tell stories, and everything in between to help you enjoy the outdoors. This podcast is brought to you by Northbound Gear. Northbound Gear is designed for maneuverability and durability and is made to last through even the toughest of elements. My go-to for their pants is the Water Resistance Adventure Pants and their lined waterproof jeans. I've worn them while out ice fishing, crawling through the woods bear hunting, and on the west coast out on the boat. And I even wear them around when I'm having a lazy day at the house. They are that comfortable. They also offer jackets, summer pants, backpacks, and many more. Men's and women's sizes are available, and by partnering with One Tree Planted, you're planting a tree with every purchase. Check them out for yourself at northboundgear.co, and when you use my promo code SHELDON15 at checkout, you'll receive 15% off your order. That's northboundgear.co and promo code SHELDON15. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Buick Outdoors podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host Sheldon Marion, and a few things first before we get into it today. Uh, if you're just watching this on YouTube and you want to listen to it, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Just search up the Buick Outdoors podcast and you'll find us all over the map. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, pretty well any major podcast platform. You can find us on there. Also, if you're just listening to this and you want to watch the video version, uh, just go on to YouTube, search up Buick Outdoors, and we have an entire podcast playlist. So, with that being said, we're going to get into today's show. Uh, you know, right now, uh, it's it's a good time to get in that last minute kind of spring season ice fishing trip. Uh, we just pretty well wrapped up our ice fishing trip. Uh, I did one trip to Moberly Lake and I did another one to Inga. Unfortunately, the fishing wasn't that good. Uh, the ice conditions at Moberly really stopped us. Uh, from where we could go. Uh, right now, it's very, very critical to make sure uh, that you do like a test hole. So before you even go out onto the ice with really anything, just grab your ice auger, uh, head out whatever it is, 50 yards, 100 yards, 25 yards, whatever, and just drill into the ice and make sure you still have good, solid ice and it's not real slushy. And you, you want to make sure there's enough ice on there that you're going to be safe. Uh, at Moberly, uh, it's a little bit different there. And again, this is this is where you have to... You, you need to know uh, the area that you're fishing into. Uh, with Moberly, there's a lot of springs that flow into that lake. So at the boat launch, I parked the truck right at the boat launch on, on the gravel bar. I walked out there about... Eh, maybe about... 30 yards or so and I drilled a hole there was still about 16 inches of ice right near the bottom that last little kind of three four inches it was pretty slushy but I was still confident that we had enough ice so I actually took my truck onto the ice and I was about you know, 20 yards from shore and I drove down the lake about 100 yards and I could see some stuff that looked a little iffy so I stopped and I got out and I walked over to it and it looked like there was an open hole there. So I went back to the truck and I grabbed my little ice scooper, walked over there. And uh, before I could even put the ice scooper in 
and kind of look around i was already getting a little bit uh freaked out <laughs> pretty much uh because it was uh, a hole right down to the bottom of the lake and uh the ice was so thin right there, I wasn't even sure if it was going to hold up my body weight. So I kind of poked and prodded, went up to that hole, put the ice scoop in there, and I grabbed the bottom of the ice. And uh, right there in that one spot, there was only about three to four inches of ice. So I went back to the truck, rolled down all four windows, slowly backed up, parked her back onto the gravel, got out, and then we went out and we just walked out and went fishing. Uh, but if you're not paying attention and you just drive onto a lake real willy-nilly, real cowboy style, uh, you know, you can get into some pretty hairy situations and, uh, potentially die, really, if you fall through the ice and it's deep enough or your body goes into shock from the cold water and you can't swim, you know, your chances are not going to be good. Uh, with that being said, if you ever do fall through the ice, the best thing to do, if you still have movement in your arms and legs and stuff, is swim to the edge, try to get your arms up there, uh, so your arms are kind of flat on top of the ice, and scoot yourself up, and then don't stand up. Just belly crawl all the way to shore, and then once you get on shore, kind of get evaluated and see what's happening, build a fire if you can, get warmed up and dried up and all that good stuff, and then kind of go from there. Uh, if you do fall through the ice and you do happen to get back onto the ice, if you stand up right away, there could be another real flat or another real soft spot right there. And when you stand up, all your body weight is just on one little pedestal, basically. And then there's a good chance that you'll fall through again. You'll have to go through this whole ordeal twice. Uh, so that way, that's the reason why you have to stay flat if you do fall through. Uh, but anyways, get that out of the way. Uh, when we were out there, the wind was just howling like crazy. Uh, it was 50 to 70 kilometer hour winds. Uh, the wind gusts were absolutely nuts. Uh, I made a video on how to set up your ice fishing tent by yourself if you're in uh, windy situations like that. Uh, it... The, the tent didn't go anywhere. Uh, the problem that we had, though, is that it was so warm that the ice on top uh, was getting kind of soft. So any time that the wind would blow and it would grab my tent and really jar on it, it, was, it wasn't it was bending my, my ice anchors, but it was basically carving the ice out. So by the end of the day, when the wind finally did calm down, all my ice anchors, they went in. At a 45 going away from the tent by the time the wind calmed down all my ice anchors were either straight up and down or at like a 45 towards the tent because the wind was grabbing it and hitting it so hard and even the one wall I set up uh, another ice anchor and I put out guidelines and the first ice anchor pulled out so I ended up putting three ice anchors in the front wall where the one guideline was at and uh, by the end of the day all three again were at like a, a sharp 45 almost 60 degree angle going towards the tent because that wind was hitting it so hard but uh yeah we're, we're trying out at Morbley Lake for one more good whitefish 
catch out there, but we just didn't catch anything. Uh, we ended up spending the night, me and Shelby and the dogs. It was a beautiful, calm night. Thankfully, the wind calmed down, so we had a really good trip there. Uh, with that one, I, I was going to film a fishing uh, video, but uh, we didn't catch anything, so there's no point in putting anything together for that. Uh, after that, I went out to Inga Lake, and again, for some reason, that was the second time I went this year where uh, I kind of got skunked, so I didn't uh, didn't film overly too much there. Uh, I'm, I do have enough footage to put something together, but it's just going to be like a day with the dogs on the ice. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it'd be semi-entertaining, but not exactly what I want to put up onto the channel. But whatever, it's in my back pocket anyways, if I absolutely need one. But, uh, yeah, so ice fishing, it's pretty well coming to an end here now. Uh, right now... Uh, the temperature is getting pretty warm during the day. You know, it's around 8 to 10 degrees during the day. The other day it was like 14. Uh, so now I'm basically just gearing up and getting ready to start heading out camping. Uh, going, doing some camping trips under the stars or building lean-tos. Uh, hopefully soon here. Uh, probably about mid-April to the end of April. We'll be able to start tapping our birch trees. So uh, I think my brother's wanting to come out uh, to tap some birch trees and make some birch syrup. So I'm extremely excited if he's able to do that. If not, you'll see uh, just me and maybe even Shelby out tapping trees and making syrup. It's always a, a blast doing that. Uh, making your own syrup just in general is just cool to do. Uh, also, it gets you outside in the springtime, you know, after... A long winter up here in the north you start getting uh, quite a bit of cabin fever kind of a thing starting to settle in so uh yeah as soon as kind of april hits i'm always just chomping at the bit to get outside and uh you know tapping birch trees it's one of those things where for whatever reason it's is not very common around here in other places where they have maples uh it, there's like a giant community on tapping maples and making maple syrup and I I believe that why most people don't tap birch trees in the north is just because they don't know that they can actually do it and uh, or they're overwhelmed and they think that you need a whole pile of taps and drills and this and that and you need a pile of equipment because you if you watch some of these hardcore maple guys like they have some uh, serious setup uh, but really up here, when I first started out, I went out with a little package of like 50 thumbnails that I bought from like Walmart for $2 or whatever, a sleeve of red Solo cups, a roll of duct tape, and my pocket knife. And uh, when you're first starting out, it's a good way to do it. It gets you outside and it does get you a little bit of birch water that you can make some syrup with. Basically, I take a red Solo cup. And I tack it to a tree, and then I take a, a small strip of uh, duct tape, and I tape it to the tree, and then make it so it actually drips or drapes down into the red solo cup. And then probably about a half an inch above the duct tape, I just do a real shallow V notch cut 
so I just take my knife and I just stab it straight in so it's a V so that way when the water starts to run out it hits like the bottom corner of that V and that's directly above your duct tape birch water goes onto your duct tape and then falls into your cup and uh, it works for the most part it works good but a lot of times what will end up happening is eventually the birch water gets in behind your tape and then the birch water just kind of goes around everything runs down the side of the tree and you end up losing quite a bit uh, so since then I've moved on to a bit of a different setup it's basically like a poor man's maple syrup setup I have a drill and a drill bit and I use the little half inch male by male uh, like hose connectors the little brass things you can buy them like a bag of 25 from pretty well any hardware store and uh, the drill bit I use is just a hair smaller than half inch so in that way when you drill into that tree about quarter of an inch to half inch and you tap in your your male by male connector uh, it creates a, a great seal around that connector and then same thing with the cup I just thumbnail that to the tree underneath or some some years or some trees I use a bucket and a two inch nail because some of those trees they just it's like you turn on a tap and they just run steady others it's a slow drip it, it all kind of changes uh, per tree but you figure that out real quick but anyways yeah I uh, just tack that cup to the tree underneath that top it drips in a couple times a day I make my rounds with clean five gallon buckets just grab the cup dump it in there and uh, man you're off to the races uh, one thing that's nice is in April is when it still freezes that night and you go around in the morning first thing and your cup is right full of the to the rim and you break off the ice take that ice toss her out and you take a swig of that birch water it's one of the most freshest semi-sweet like oh it's just like absolutely beautiful mineral water with just a slight little bit of sweetness to it and when it's extremely cold like that oh it's just oh it's just amazing it's one of those things where you really got to try it uh i've tried buying birch water from the grocery store and from the health food store before and that stuff is <laughs> i'm telling you that's not the same that i don't even i don't know what is in those bottles but i highly doubt it came from a birch tree or it's a birch tree full of pesticides or something it's not good and it definitely does not taste the same uh so if you want to try birch water it's very very easy to find it's easy to collect and it tastes amazing uh and then also you know once as i get probably i'd say about five to ten gallons of it if i'm making just a small batch of uh, syrup you can either use like cheesecloth game bags or a clean pillowcase and i'll take one bucket and i'll put the pillowcase just on top of it and i roll it up so there's just one little divot kind of in the center of it and i'll take all the birch water that i collected because a lot of times you get a little bit of leaves or twigs bugs stuff like that in it and uh, i just dump it through 
the the little pillowcase or game bags, whatever it is that you're using, and to use that as a filter. And then after that, you just take it, put it onto your pot, put it onto like a rolling boil for, well, quite a few hours. It's about 99% water and only about 1% sugar. But uh, you just slowly boil it down, and then I finish it off uh, in the oven, or not in the oven, but on the stove in the house because that it's a real delicate process once you're uh, getting down to the finishing side of things and uh the syrup that you get out of it it's it's kind of like maple syrup but it's more of a kind of like a caramel brown sugary kind of a taste to it it's it's a very unique flavor and uh man i'm telling you it's it's some of the best syrup you'll ever eat and then too like just a cool factor you know if somebody comes over for whatever pancakes and you're like here try some of this you know birch syrup that i made it's something that people haven't even heard about let alone know how to do it or how to make it or they didn't even know that you knew how to make it so uh that's one thing i i'm always looking forward to uh to doing and uh, then this year I'll be filming that again. I think it was two years ago I filmed how to do it, but uh, now my uh, my camera gear is a little bit better. I'm a little more comfortable in front of the camera now too, so I should be able to make a much better video here this year. Then plus, if if Blaine and uh, Courtney are out there with me, or if Shelby comes with me, you know it'll be just even better just to have company and uh, yeah, it's a it's a real fun time. And I think my dad might even come out this year as well uh it's been a long time since he's made any i think the last time he made any is when i was pretty well living on the trap line there in the wall tent and uh i was trapping beaver and he was cutting firewood and and uh tapping birch trees and dirty bugger didn't want to do the big boil out the cabin so he came over to where i was sleeping in a tent and boiled all of his syrup there so I had a couple of bears come out and visit too, but nah, they 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 kept going up the road. It wasn't a big deal. Another thing that uh, I'm wanting to do here this year is I'm really wanting to find a spot where I can kind of set up camp kind of a thing. Uh, you know, I'm always talking about getting outside, getting away from everything, and, and having a place to go. And uh, I think this year I might either take the pickup or take the side-by-side -side out somewhere and just look for a real nice flat spot where you have some sun shining through whether it's a big stand of spruce or pine or something and just kind of doll it up a little bit you know make it so we have a place that we can just kind of get away from the house even though we do live in a, a very remote place already as is you know, we still have neighbors. They still have dogs that bark. We have the odd truck that goes by. And, uh, you know, some days it's nice just to go out into the bush where there's actual silence. And uh, if you can have a place where it's set up and, uh, you know, you, you start to have a connection to that place. And it kind of starts to feel a little special. feels kind of like home kind of a thing when you go there. You know, I, I really really want to have a place like that uh and then maybe even uh this winter i can take the wall tent out there and set that up and stay whatever four or five days in my wall tent and then 
break it all down, take her home kind of a thing, because I don't want to leave anything up permanently or leave something up for the squirrels to chew on or the bears to get into. But, uh, you know, that that's just something to kind of look forward to and do this summer and this this fall maybe. But, uh, yeah, start the search in the springtime anyways. Uh, you know, it... It, it's just one of those things, you know, like I said, it's just nice to have somewhere that you can go, that you know that's there. Hopefully it doesn't get logged, you know, right now they're kind of ramping up on logging around in the area. So it, you got to be a little mindful about that, you know, just watch out for the can four ribbons and all that. But uh, whatever, you know, those guys, they got to make a paycheck too. Uh, you know, one thing I was really... Uh, Really looking at getting into one of those lightweight uh, hot tents. I do have a wall tent. Uh, it's a Cabela's Bighorn 3 wall tent. And it's the same fabric that's made. Uh, well, they, they use the same fabric that they make the Lacknick tent with too from Cabela's. And it's a, it's a good tent if you're using it in the spring and summer. Uh some falls it would be all right the problem is is that it's like a, a poly fabric so it doesn't breathe whatsoever and uh the condensation builds up a lot in it uh well it'll build up a lot in it if you don't plug the vents the problem though is the vents are so huge and there's so many of them that if you don't plug the vents up you're just like it's it's like sleeping with the window open and it's just constantly cold you have this constant draft of air coming in and it's just not comfortable uh, especially once you have your uh, fire going inside uh i've seen some people uh well they did what i did uh you pretty well just take tape and you tape up all your vents or you take rags and you shove them in there. Uh, I've seen some people they had like that uh, silver bubble wrap stuff that you use for like the skirting on uh, modular homes. But uh, you know, it's just it's such a pain dealing with that stuff. And then it's hard to put your tent away too. And then if you go anywhere, you gotta bring a couple rolls of duct tape or a couple of sheets of this bubble wrap insulation stuff. And it's just. It's not meant for the northern Canadian weather. Uh, you know, maybe down south, especially in the States, you'd be fine with it. I don't think you'd have a problem. But, uh, yeah, up north here, it's it's not it's not really worth it uh, to keep it around. But, uh, but anyways, that's why I was looking at uh, the lightweight kind of hot tents. Uh, you know, like Pomali, Lux, Seek Outside they all sell these lightweight tents and you can get like the inner half tents you can get the fold up titanium stoves in them as well uh but again that stuff is so small you know i would be able to use it in spring summer and fall but in the winter there's no way you'd be able to use it i even spoke with the guy uh who owns pomali and uh, he tested out one of his new uh, tents and stoves when it was minus 20, I think. And he said he almost froze to death. Uh, 
and that's coming from the guy who owns the company and controls all the manufacturing and you know like his last name is Pamali like <laughs> so for that that's not gonna work we don't get too many winter days where it's warmer than minus 20 kind of a thing uh, and also the price point on those is pretty big uh, the tents themselves are cheap they're depending on the model and the size but the ones I was looking at were like a two to three person tent maybe with the inner tents in them and uh, with those ones they're around 150 to 300 dollar range but then the fold up lightweight titanium stoves they're like five hundred dollars so on like all together you're looking at you know whatever six hundred to eight hundred dollars and for like two hundred bucks more i'd be able to get a canvas wall tent so with that being said you know the the lightweight things if i had the extra money i think i would buy one just I kind of have it, but I don't really know how much use I would get out of it. Uh, but with that being said, maybe someday in the future I might buy one, or who knows, maybe I can strike a deal with them and make some videos for them or whatever, and I can just test them out or something, whatever the case may be. Sometime in the future I'll probably get one, but uh, for right now I just can't justify spending that kind of money uh, to get one. Especially, like, I want to use it during the winter, especially for my ice fishing trips. I like to go out for more than one day. Uh, you know, for me, I live so far out of town, and for me to go anywhere, even if I go to Inga, it's still an hour. But if I go to, say, like, Boot Lake, Great Lake, amazing fishing, it's going to take me, well, an hour to get to Fort St. John. Then from Fort St. John, it's like another two hours so it'll be three hours to drive there, three hours to drive home. If you fish for like eight hours, you know, it's going to be a long day, especially in the cold. So anywhere that I go, I purposely plan to stay there for two or three days. Plus, I just enjoy staying places. Uh, you know, there's a point in time there where on my days off, I just head out to Charlie Lake and I just live on the ice for whatever, four or five days, and that was a 15-minute drive from the house kind of a thing when I was living in town. But then I was also doing the same thing at Inga. I would spend six days straight out at Inga, whether it was minus 5 or minus 30. I just toughed it out, and you know, I just stay in my uh, little ice fishing tent on the ice. It, one side of the tent was kind of like my kitchen and my bed. The other side of the, or the other side of the tent was my ice fishing hole, my, my uh, lawn chair, and man, I just lived life to the fullest out there with old Ruger boy, and uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. <laughs> I had some extremely cold nights once in a while, but uh, you know, it's nothing a little hot oatmeal or <laughs> whatever couldn't fix. <laughs> yeah, another thing with that uh, Bighorn Three Tent too. Uh, it was a few years ago now, but I ended up losing my job. Uh, it was like right before Christmas. I think I want to say it was about 
uh, maybe three weeks before Christmas. I can't remember if it was like the last week of November or the first week of December. But I lost my job, and I had some money saved up. So I said, ah, the heck with it. I'm going to pack up my tent. I'm going to head out to the trap line. I'm going to live on the trap line for however long till spring if, if I have to. Like, I really had no agenda whatsoever. So I went out and uh, set it all up, got all nice and cozy. And that's when the vents really started to uh, kind of drive me a little nuts. Because that, that trip, well, I mean wasn't much of a trip i was out there for like two months but uh we get quite a few drastic weather changes up here it'll go from minus 20 one day with the sun shining you get a little touch of a north wind blowing then all of a sudden overnight the wind picks up and the next day you wake up and it's like minus 40 and that happened to me out there uh except it wasn't minus 40 i think the coldest day was minus 46 and then the wind was blowing too, so I, whatever it was with the wind chill, I have no idea. But it was, it was really cold. And basically, like, the only thing I was doing during those few days where it was like in the minus 40s, is I'd go out, I'd cut up a bunch of wood, bring it back to the tent, split it, bring it inside, stack it up, and just keep firing into the stove. And like that was kind of like a one-off kind of a thing but right around the stove it was nice and dry and warm but you get like whatever it was three feet four feet from that stove and the walls would just be sweating and then the floor was wet and then it would kind of freeze at night when i was kind of sleeping and then in the morning you wake up get your fire roaring again because it was like minus 10 inside or well that one morning it was like minus 26 or so that i woke up because i was freezing but uh you know and eventually like your whole floor is just covered in water and like i'm talking like covered in water like, you know it's whatever a quarter inch thick you're standing in a puddle and it's minus 40 outside and you know that's that is not fun <laughs> and uh the the problem too that i was having is there was no way that you could actually leave any of the vents open because even if the fire was out and you weren't having anything drawing air in the wind was blowing so hard it was just coming in so i had to tape all the inside once they got warmed up enough and then on the outside i stole a bag of rags and i was taking rags and i was shoving them up inside the vents because on on the walls there was one vent on each wall that was like probably 18 inches up from the floor and then in both peaks there's a vent that's probably 16 inches by about 16 inches but it's like a big really big triangle and those things let in a phenomenal amount of air even the one uh, fall when me and dad were building on the cabin, we slept in it and like, man, we were freezing at night because we just had the wood stove going and just the draw from the wood stove, all the air would come in, drop down and go underneath your cot and it would just, it would just freeze you from the bottom up kind of a thing. So pretty well all night you're just sitting there turning like, 
like a rotisserie in your sleeping bag because you'd be laying there and your back would get cold so you turn and your stomach would get cold so you turn on your side and then your side would get cold and uh, it was just not fun and that that was in the fall when it wasn't even really cold really but uh yeah I, I don't get too much use out of that that tent now especially now I mean I got holiday trailers and stuff now too so in the spring summer and fall I don't really have a use for it because if I go anywhere it's gonna be either in the holiday trailer or in just a regular tent like it it takes a while to set that thing up and then to pack the wood stove and your cots and your little fold up kitchens and stuff you know it's it's way easier to either just pack up the entire holiday trailer or just go out and just kind of bushwhack it really uh so you know i, I don't know it, it's been sitting around for a while and i might sell it one day but it, it's also one of those things where it's like you know it's not like i'm making payments on it or anything like that and it, it doesn't cost anything to keep it so i don't know i have it as like a backup plan maybe i'll do a couple videos with it one day but i'm not in a rush to use it that's for sure and speaking about uh, taking your tent out, going camping, uh, I think this this spring here especially, maybe moving into the summer as well, I think I'm going to be doing quite a few uh, camping trip videos. Uh, going out in the tent, uh, doing lean-tos, sleeping under the stars. You know, I really want to focus on getting like your everyday person out into the bush. You know, I want to be able to show people that you know you don't need a thirty thousand dollar holiday trailer to head out with your kids and to have fun. You know you can go to Walmart, Sportsman's Warehouse, Cabela's, Canadian Tire, whatever. You can buy a a cheapo little Coleman tent or buy something off of Amazon even where it only costs you like a hundred bucks, and you can actually go out. Head to the bush with your kids or by yourself or whatever. And you can actually have a, a great time uh, just out camping with very, very minimal equipment. Uh, you know, I think for a lot of people, that's what kind of stops them from going. Is when they kind of start to look up on camping and stuff. They kind of get overwhelmed with all the gear and all the junk that you can bring with you because I mean really to go camping all you need is a sleeping bag you know like if you just simplify it you need something to stay warm at night and you can sleep on the ground and call it camping but I think uh, this day and age with all the materials and all the sales gimmicks and stuff like that it's like you need a tent you need an air mattress you need a cot you need a massive sleeping bag you need you know a fire pit you need hot dog sticks you, you know it the list just goes on and on and on and uh, I think that stops a lot of people from actually going out and even giving it an honest try so you know this year I really want to focus on just getting back to the basics you know you, you don't need this great big huge list you know one video I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go out to the bush with pretty well my Leatherman and a lighter. I'm gonna build a lean-to and I'm just gonna camp out. 
I'll have my dogs and dogs have dog food. And I don't know, I might bring a sandwich or something. But like, other than that, that's going to be a video. And I'm just going to show you like, look, you need a lighter and a knife. And you can spend the night out in the bush and like, have it actually be enjoyable. I think that's another issue people have is, you know, they think if they don't have this great big huge list of stuff, that it's going to be miserable or whatever. They're going to be so ill-prepared that they're going to freeze to death and die. It's like, well, I mean, you drove out there. Make sure all your lights are off on your car. And, I mean, if you're uncomfortable in the middle of the night, fire up your car, sleep in your car, or just drive home. You know, there's no obligation to stay kind of a thing, right? You know, I, so I'm I'm just trying my my hardest, my best to actually get people to to go out and see how simple things are and how relaxing it is. You know, with with a tent, that's pretty straightforward. Go out, find a flat spot where there's no rocks and sticks, set up your tent, maybe collect some firewood, even just deadfall laying around. You don't need a chainsaw, you don't need an axe. I mean, a, a box of matches or a lighter and you can have a fire. As long as there's enough firewood just kind of laying around, you know, and you can, whatever, you can have a fire all night long and just hang out at the fire. Uh, I also want to show you that, you know, cool little projects that you can do either for yourself and just to test yourself out or because you're just bored or something for you and your kids to do is to go out and build a lean-to. And again, like you don't need anything fancy. Maybe I'll do one where I have gear and I'll do another video where I have literally nothing. I'll go to the bush with a lighter and I'll show you that you can build a lean-to and you can be like actually comfortable and you can light a fire, you can hang out all night, look at the stars, listen to the coyotes, whatever it is, you know, and you can, you can actually, uh, you know, have a, a great time in the woods uh another thing that you can do too is just bring a tarp with you and just tie a tarp up in a tree as your roof or whatever or you can drape it over a a, a fallen down tree is like a lean-to kind of a thing and like you know you don't need anything fancy and special you know when you're building a lean-to you can do it where there's a great big huge spruce tree that got blown over and you just build off of that you just take sticks as ridge or not even ridge poles be like your runners just run it down opposite uh the opposite side of the tree so it goes from the top of the tree down to the ground cut up a bunch of uh spruce boughs stack them on there like you would shingles you know just one on top of the other till you hit the top crawl inside of it and you got yourself a makeshift little tent you know it it's a great way to spend the night if you're kind of freaked out by the darkness of the woods and stuff you know there's something about kind of being uh kind of surrounded by by some sort of a shelter it makes you feel safe kind of a thing so if you do that you have this great big tree on one side you have a wall on the other tuck yourself in there you can't see out of it. You can't see into the darkness kind of a thing. So you're nice and comfortable. Bring a sleeping bag with you. 
stay nice and warm, bring a book or whatever, and man, just enjoy yourself. Uh, another lean too is when you just take a deadfall tree or whatever, you just prop it up on a branch on a tree that's standing there, and you just run it all the way down to the ground like a big ridge pole, and then you get a bunch of other small trees, and you do like an A-frame almost off of your main ridge pole coming down and then again get your spruce boughs stack them up like shingles one on top of the other until they go up to the top and then you have yourself another lean-to for a bed take spruce boughs if you lay them all in the same way so they're facing the same direction uh basically like the tip of the branches away from you and then the the main branch towards you if you lay them all the same way and you have a nice thick bed of those, like whatever, six inches of spruce bough bed, it, it's, it's surprisingly comfortable. When you lay down on it, like as soon as you kind of wiggle around and get kind of in place, it man, it's, I, I don't know, it's not a bed, but it's definitely enough to keep you up off the ground, keeps the chill off you, and man you'll have a good night's sleep like it, it's amazing what happens when you just kind of go out to the woods and it almost like it, it kicks in some weird internal something or rather whatever and it like you're a primal instinct almost and uh you know you just kind of become like one with nature or whatever you want to call it right and it's it's just like it's comfortable it really is, and uh, for a lot of people, I think, uh, you know, growing up in the city or whatever, you know, when you're able to do something like that, it almost gives you, like, a little sense of empowerment, or a little bit of an ego boost, or, or something, like, there is something to it, where it just, it makes you feel good, and then if you want to up it up, uh, bring it up a notch, you know, well, I mean, you'd have to have a PAL if you want to bring a 22 with you and shoot a squirrel and cook it over the fire or I mean really if there's a bunch of rabbit trails around you can bring out some snare wire snare a rabbit cook that sucker up over the fire too I've done that before and man like it's it's phenomenal it's it's so cool uh some of the experiences that you can have in the woods with like little to no experience and like little to no equipment either then if you want to try another lean-to thing is just with a tarp. Start with the same thing. You have a, your main ridge pole going from a branch down to the ground. Bring a tarp with you and just drape that tarp over your ridge pole. And either tie it off with, with rope to other uh, trees or like a clump of willows or whatever. Or you can take a willow and you can pretty well just cut your own like tent pegs really you just find a willow that has a branch coming off of it and you just cut it to whatever length you want say it's six inches above where that branch is and then you take your branch and cut that off of like about an inch or whatever and then you just flip her upside down so in your your v or your y is facing down and you just sharpen up the one point you hammer that into your tarp through like the little eyelets and then the V gets hooked into that eyelet and it creates a, a great tent peg. And you only need like, well, I don't know, depending on the size of tarp, but say there's 
four eyelets on both sides. You need eight pieces of willow that you just cut with a knife, and man, it, it's great. And then again, with your with the spruce boughs, you can lay them on the ground, or you can bring one of those small little inflatable air mattresses. Uh, some people like those. Uh, uh, they're like a little foamy kind of a thing. Uh, if you take that route, though, what I would suggest is don't go out and spend money on, like, Woods or REI or anything like that, especially if you're not really, like, big gung-ho into it. Uh, just go out to a thrift store or even, like, Canadian Tire and Walmart sometimes have them on sale kind of thing, but buy yourself just a cheap little yoga mat. There's, I mean, you're not climbing Mount Everest. You don't need something with a huge R rating, and an R rating is like your insulation value. You're just looking for something so you're not laying directly on the moss and grass and stuff. And trust me, a, a little yoga mat works phenomenal. And they're like 15 bucks, maybe 20 for an expensive one. But if you go and you get like an actual like camping uh our value whatever uh foamy uh man they can get really pricey really fast so if you're just starting out again go to the thrift store i've seen them for like two dollars at like salvation army <laughs> i feel bad if i buy stuff like that from like places like salvation army because like i can afford the brand new one from uh you know canadian tire or walmart or whatever maybe let the less fortunate people uh pick up the little two dollar ones but that's also me i mean your situation might be a lot different so you know you gotta you gotta work with what you got but uh you know even the thrift stores like that is a good place to start getting some of this equipment that you need you know if you need blankets pillows and a foamy man i'm telling you take ten dollars to salvation army I don't, I mean, they might not have a foamy, but they'll have quilts and blankets and sleeping bags and pillows, uh, jackets, pants, whatever. Like, man, you could get set up easy from the thrift store. And even, like, over in, like, their cooking uh, department there, like, I've gotten stuff from my, my little uh, cooking tote where it's, like, flippers and spatulas and tongs all that stuff once in a while too people will donate like uh a stove and the stove it doesn't work or something happened or whatever and you can buy like a stove rack and those things work great for cooking on and again they'll be like the 50 cent department where they just kind of put a blue sticker on it or <laughs> whatever the deal sticker is kind of a thing and then you don't have to go to canadian tire and buy a woods fold up camping stove for 80 bucks you, know, you just buy an oven rack for 50 cents or a dollar or whatever or they might even give it to you if you're buying a bunch of other equipment and now you have something that you can cook on set up two little logs that are flat or a couple of rocks or whatever lay your grating on top of that build your fire underneath when it burns down to coals you got yourself something to cook on you know like this is the kind of stuff i wanted to do this year uh again you know maybe that'll be a another separate video you know camping off of uh thrift store items 
and then when I'm done, you know, donate them back or whatever kind of a thing, you know, like I don't need to keep that stuff, you know, I'd, I'd gladly give that back or see somebody down an alley or something like that and be like, hey, <laughs> hey, buddy, stay warm tonight. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, like there is something to do with just getting back out into nature and like, you know, I know a lot of people are scared of the dark. Uh, they might not want to admit it, but even myself, like there's been times where on like the really dark nights, man, I, I don't like it. it. It gives me like the heebie-jeebies kind of thing. You know, you look out into the trees and all you see is black. It, uh, you know, it, it does freak you out some days. But like if you ever have one of those nights where it's like a full moon and there's no clouds... It is such a cool experience, especially like once the fire dies down and goes out and then your eyes start to adjust, you can see a long ways in the bush with just the moonlight. Because like that moon, especially when it's a full moon, holy cow, like it is bright and it it's cool. And like you're laying there at night and as long as you don't get into your head too much, like if you hear a noise, chances are it's like a squirrel. He's looking for a mushroom or a pine cone. Like, don't get all freaked out because this little furry marmot's running around. <laughs> little tree rat kind of a thing, you know, like, you know, toughen up a little. And, uh, you know, it, it's cool when you're able to just kind of sit there in the silence and just kind of listen to what's happening around you. Uh, one thing you'll notice right away if you're kind of paying attention is it doesn't matter where you go in the bush. Even if you're like hunting, you know, you walk into your blind or whatever it is, your tree stand. And as you walk in, everything kind of goes silent. And it's kind of, it's almost weird. It gets like really quiet. But once you're there for like an hour or two, it's almost like the woods kind of get used to you being there. And then it kind of all comes back to life and they all just go about in their merry way. And they just kind of do whatever it is that they were doing. And the same thing happens at night. You know, your fire's going and it slowly starts to die out. You're getting tired. Fire goes out and you're laying there and it's quiet. And it's like eerily quiet. You know, it is a bit of a strange noise if if you haven't really heard it. Like there's a lot of people in the city where they don't know what quiet actually is. To them, quiet is laying down at night and still hearing the buzz of their refrigerator running we're out in the bush quiet is quiet you know that the one video i i just did a couple weeks ago and we had a bit of a chinook blow in you know i pan the camera around i'm like this is what you're missing and it's just like silent like that was i didn't do any editing i didn't do anything fancy i just stopped talking for like that whatever it was three or four seconds of me just panning the camera around and like man I think more and more people need to hear that and you know just getting outside and having that experience whether it's one day or one week or a month whatever like it can be a life-changing moment you know you might go out and you might be scared and you might want to leave but as soon as you spend one night out there 
you might wake up and go, oh, holy shit, I did it, and I feel good, I feel great. Man, that, oh, I need to do this again. Or you could be the opposite. You might go, man, that was the scariest night of my life because it was so dark and quiet, I didn't like it. But you never know until you try it. And, uh, you know, that's where I believe it's kind of... I don't want to say it's my job, but I'm taking it on as my job or my project to kind of just bring you guys along with me for a camping trip and show you that you don't need a bunch of gear. You don't need to spend hundreds of dollars or anything crazy like that. Like, you don't even need to go far. If you live in Fort St. John, go to the Beaten Hills, go down to the Beaten River. You know, you can literally ride your bike there. It'd, it'd be like an hour, maybe two hour bike ride from downtown Fort St. John. And you'd be in the bush and like camping in silence. You know, like if for some people it might be a little bit different depending on kind of where you live and all that. But like you should really make it a priority, especially how a lot of people these days are kind of focusing on kind of like mental health and everything and people are kind of opening up about their mental health problems and stuff i'm telling you a lot of issues could be fixed by leaving anxiety and stress behind and a excellent way of doing that is to go to the bush you know it sounds crazy and almost sounds too good to be true or like too simple but like that's exactly what it is is just simple when you're out in the bush or on the water, it's you versus nature kind of a thing. And as long as you go slightly somewhat prepared, you'll thrive. Whether it's for a day or a week or whatever, you know, challenge yourself and, you know, breathe in fresh air and uh, just take a load off. You know, even if you just go out for the afternoon, take a lawn chair out somewhere and bring a book with you. And just listen to the birds chirping, the squirrels doing their thing, and just kind of read your book and just, you know, it sounds kind of weird and kind of crazy and a little kooky, but, like, listen to the wind and the trees even. You know, there's there's something about just going outside and just just not having any worries at all. And, like, do yourself a favor turn your phone off, leave it in the car, or put on the hood of your car, or whatever, if you're worried about locking your keys in your car, or something crazy like that, you know, and just, like, leave all the distractions behind, and just go out and do something, you know, it, it might sound a little childish, but, like, bring a coloring book, even, you know, bring a coloring book, and some markers, crayons, or whatever, lay down in the moss or sit on a chair sit on a tree and like color it sounds weird especially coming from like an adult you know a grown man is telling you to bring a coloring book with you and head out to the woods and <laughs> and do some coloring but like it's it, honestly it gives your mind something to focus on instead of you know some weird boredom or whatever or, like, just bring a pen and paper and and draw, doodle, 
man, start a journal. Just go out there and just vent into your journal while you're out there in the bush, listening to the wind, watching the birds do their thing, you know, whatever. Whatever it is that'll convince you to go is what you need to do and just like... You know, the scariest part of life is literally, like, downtown. Uh, I've had way more close calls driving my pickup or walking across the street than I have, you know, during any hunting, fishing, or trapping trip ever. And I'm an idiot that walks up to a, a black bear with a stick and string, and I try to shoot him with my bow. You know, <laughs> That doesn't scare me. Crossing a street, man, I, I look both ways three or four times before I cross the street. The worst thing that will ever happen to you in the bush, honestly, in my opinion, is if you run into another bad person. Like moose, bears, elk, wolves, coyotes, lynx, cougar. It's You can deal with that. People, traffic, eh, not so much. So, like, you know, there's no way that I can actually hold your hand and take you out there and keep patting you on the back and saying, hey, you're doing a good job. You have to do that your own. You know, you have to get into the mindset like, hey, look, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm out here sitting on a log, you know, journaling or just watching the trees sway in the wind. Or going out and just stargazing at night. Whatever it is that you're doing, you know, just relax. Don't have any worries whatsoever and just kind of go. Uh, you know, in the end, you're you're going to thank yourself. And, uh, you know, it, it's definitely something worth doing. And I can almost guarantee you that once you do it once, you're you're going to want to do it again. Especially if you get your kids involved. Uh, you know, kids are just naturally curious about everything. And they're going to ask you a million and one questions. And uh, even if you don't know the answer, you know what? Learn together. I used to love doing that with kids. You know, bring them out and they'd be asking me questions about rocks and fossils or trees and bugs. And like the amount that I learned having kids around is huge it's stuff that i would have never thought on my own like you see a great big rock face and like hey what does that line mean it's like uh well, i don't know we better we better google that or buy find a book on rocks and stuff and figure this out and like you know having your kids out there is so much so enjoyable you know they'll ask you the weirdest strangest questions but it makes you think <laughs> you know the, the curiosity of a kid as long as you're actually wanting to learn and willing to learn with your kid man like it's there's there's nothing that beats that you know so I, I really encourage you to go out whether you have kids or not if you do have kids I really encourage you to bring your kids with you uh especially the way Things are going with the outdoors and stuff, you know, uh, there's some things that are just kind of, you know, it seems like not very many people kind of care about certain 
certain things anymore, so there's we're slowly losing stuff. But uh, you know, as long as we raise up this next generation to love nature, uh, really know where your food comes from, how animals actually live, uh, you know, there's always going to be protection for for forest and land and resources and you know everything right so uh that all starts with you and uh if you don't uh kind of stand up and kind of do your part you know there is a chance that it'll be taken away but again that's part of my project and what i'm calling my job is just to get more people focus on the outdoors and get you guys out there and uh yeah, hopefully you just start living a better, happier life, especially after the last couple of years that everybody's had. You know, it's uh, it's time to time to kind of take your happiness back and and get out there. And I think the first step in doing that is to head outside and just enjoy the woods. But anyways, guys, I think I'm gonna wrap her up here now. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, uh, like the video, maybe leave leave me a comment or two. Let me know how your camping trip went. Uh, if you're just listening to this on a podcast, uh, give us a rating. Uh, you know, more ratings and stuff, more engagement kind of makes us rank a little higher and all that stuff. So then our stuff kind of gets pushed out a little more. So I'm kind of using you to get more views. But uh, <laughs> anyways, guys, uh, yeah, again, I hope you like this. If you did, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. And we'll catch you on the next one.